0: I think you guys get the gold star coming into the early service the day after Christmas is is great dedication right there. So good job. If you want to take your Bibles and you want to open up to Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be this morning. I think it's only fitting that on the day after Christmas, we look at the fourth song of the songs that are found in Luke that revolve around the coming of the birth of Christ. Today, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. It's actually eight days after before after Jesus is born, and Joseph and Mary, as expected by the law, are bringing baby Jesus to the temple for dedication and for purification purposes. But what they don't expect is to run into a man whose name is Simeon and takes, who takes Jesus into his arms and breaks out into, of all things, a song. Now, I don't know if you know this about me or not, but I love music. Music is probably one of my favorite hobbies. I've been listening to music since I was really little. I, just, I love music. I love listening to all sorts of music. I love worship music. I love rock music. I love alternative music. I love pop, jazz, singer-songwriter. 80s music is probably my favorite. I love soundtrack music. I mean, I like almost any style of music except for country music, so my apologies to all the country music fans out there. Um, please don't leave and walk out the door. Um, but uh, we love having music in our house, like, especially Christmas time. We're playing Christmas music a lot in our house. When we're taking road trips, driving somewhere, we have music playing. Uh, we love music either when I'm exercising, riding my bike, doing yard work. I have uh, my AirPods in, listening to music. We love going to concerts too. I'll tell you one of the hardest things for us, or at least for me during the season of COVID, that like all concerts kind of came to a halt. And so, uh, because there's nothing like, at least in my opinion, listening to music played live. And so to be able to do that again um, has been a real blessing just to listen to live music being played. Um, Music just plays a huge role in my life personally. It's a great encouragement for me. I just enjoy music. I do have an interesting story uh, that revolves around music and specifically songs. When, when I lived in Kansas, um, when I was a youth pastor, one of the things that we did at our church is we went on a mission trip every summer. And one summer, I happened to go on a mission trip to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And while we were in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I had gotten word that our senior pastor, whose father was very ill, had taken a turn uh, for the worse, and he was expected to pass at any point in time. And so I got a call while I was on that mission trip in Tulsa to say, you know, Jim, you need to be ready to preach on Sunday. And I was like, oh man, I am, um, I'm here in Tulsa, we're, we're roughing a house, uh, I need to get a sermon prepped. And so I remember one, one day I got back from, from the job that we were doing, and I told our youth sponsors, I said, hey, I got to go, and I need to go study for a while and work on a sermon. So I went to an IHOP, I got a nice stack of pancakes, and um, I've got all my stuff spread out, right? i got my Bible, I've got a journal, I've got my notebook, and I'm writing, I'm taking notes, and I'm furiously working on this sermon. And while I'm sitting there working, I have this couple that comes up to me. And they were like, can, can we talk to you for a moment? And I was like, okay. And I was like, we have a word from the Lord for you. I was like, okay, this ought to be really interesting. And I was like, can we share this word with you? And I was like, sure, go ahead, share this word. They said, well, we just got this word from the Lord that said That you are going to write songs that the world is going to sing. I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Uh, and then they asked what I was doing, and I, I told them what I was doing, that I was writing this sermon and the reason that I was writing this sermon. I told them that I was a youth pastor, and I think they looked like a little puzzled because maybe they thought I was a worship leader or something writing. But I said, no, this is what I'm doing. And so hey, we just had this conversation, and then they kind of let me go on and do my thing. And I thought, wow, that was a really specific word of the Lord that they gave me. It wasn't just like a, like a God's going to bless you. You know, this was something very, very specific, writing songs that the world would say Thing. Like, that's a pretty big expectation too there, right? And so I'm sitting here thinking, this is interesting. So I remember going home, and I remember sitting down with, with, our, with our worship leader at our church, and I told him this story, and he said, well, hey, we should get together and let's see what happens, right? And I said, okay, well, guess what? That never happened. Um, we never got together, and all these years later, I have not written a single song, let alone a song that the world would sing, uh, but there is a song that has been around for 2,000 years, and it's a song that the world does know. And this song, it's found right here in our Scripture. That's why this song is so well known as the Song of Simeon. It's the last song that we're going to look at this morning. It's found in Luke chapter 2. I'm going to be reading verses 25 through 32 this morning and looking at this song. So if you could stand with me in honor of reading God's Word is Luke chapter 2 starting in verse 25 which says this Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon and he and this man was righteous and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel and the holy spirit was upon him and it had been revealed to him by the holy spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the lord's christ and he came in the spirit into the temple to your people, Israel. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for this song that Simeon sang 2,000 years ago, pointing to the greatness of God and the wonders of Christ. And I pray that you would help us this morning to see these things. We pray that your Holy Spirit would be working in us. We want to see Jesus the way Simeon saw Jesus. So I pray that you would help us do that this morning. We pray this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. So before we go in and to look at the song of, this, of Simeon, what I thought we would do is we first take a little bit to look at the songwriter. Let's look a little bit about Simeon and see what we can learn about him. I think there's four things that we can see from him in verses 25 and 26. Uh, first thing is that it says that he is a righteous and devout man. What this is telling us is that Simeon is this upright guy and that he has great reverence for God, but he is only a layman. It says that he's just a man. He's not a religious leader. He's not a Pharisee or a Sadducee. There is no title or position that has been designated here in this passage to Simeon. He's just an ordinary guy, but he's waiting for an extraordinary thing to be revealed to him. The second thing we see is that Simeon has been waiting for the consolation of Israel. I know that's not a phrase that we use every day, but when it talks of the consolation of Israel, this phrase means is that Simeon is waiting for the hope and comfort and encouragement that is going to come through deliverance or rescue. This gives us the idea that Simeon is waiting for the deliverance of his people, and it's going to bring great comfort and great hope to them. He's waiting for the salvation of the nation. Third thing we see here is that the Holy Spirit is upon him. And the Holy Spirit is going to be doing a life here, a lot here in the life of Simeon, as we're going to see. And I think it's important to remember that Luke chapter 2 is way before Acts chapter 2 when Pentecost and the Holy Spirit comes on all believers. But what we're going to see here is that there's a special movement of the Holy Spirit in the life of Simeon for a very specific reason. And then the fourth thing that we see here about Simeon this morning, what the Holy Spirit is doing. In verse 26, it says that the Holy Spirit has revealed to Simeon that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Christ, which means the Messiah. Now that right there is a remarkable promise that has been given to Simeon. you got to think about this. The nation of Israel has been waiting and wondering and looking for the promised Messiah that was given nearly 700 years earlier. But to Simeon, to this ordinary guy, it has been revealed that after raiding century after century after century, that not only is the Messiah coming, but that he is going to be the one to see this Messiah before he dies. I mean, that right there, that is an extraordinary news to be given to Simeon. And can you imagine day after day, Simeon, he's coming to the temple, right? And every day he's wondering, like, is this the day? That I come to the temple and I see the Messiah. Is this it? Is this the day that I will see the Lord's Christ? Well, that day finally comes in verse 27. Verse 27, it says, And we came into the Spirit, to the temple, when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. We see here in verse 27, the work of the Holy Spirit again is taking place. This time it is the Spirit who is leading Simeon into the temple. And not only that, but it looks like the Holy Spirit is the one that leads Simeon right up to the Lord's Christ in the form of an eight day old baby. I mean, isn't that amazing? I always wondered, like, how in the world did Simeon, was he able to recognize and determine that Jesus was the Christ when he was only eight days old? I mean, I would think that Simeon was looking for a a grown man coming into the temple, teaching with authority, and working great signs and wonders. But instead, it's a baby that Simeon sees, and in this baby, he sees the Savior, Now, I don't think that Jesus had a little halo on him or that he was glowing, and that was the clue that Simeon was able to tell that Jesus was the Messiah. I mean, I think what this is is I believe this is the power of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the one who is doing the leading and the one who is doing the revealing to Simeon. This is the only way that Simeon could recognize Jesus is the Christ as an eight-day-old baby. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because it is always the Holy Spirit who reveals to us that Jesus is the Christ. I mean, the truth is, is we're all like Simeon, right? We all need the Holy Spirit to be revealing to us who Jesus is. We never see Jesus in our own scene or in our own abilities. We need the Holy Spirit to do a supernatural work in us, to see Jesus in a way that we cannot see on our own. And when the Holy Spirit is working in you, Jesus will clearly be seen. So this morning, if you or if someone that you know is struggling to see Jesus as the Messiah or has doubts about Jesus and seeing him clearly, be asking the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, be helping me, be helping my family member, be helping my friend. Help them see that Jesus is the Messiah. And when Simeon sees the Messiah, look what he does in verse 28. It says, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. And then he breaks out into his song. I mean, here's this scene, right? Simeon, this stranger probably to Mary and Joseph, takes Jesus into his arms and then he blesses God. And he blesses God with a song. And when Simon, it said that Simon blessed God, this is communicating some, several things to us. One is that it is a song of worship to God that is joyful, is full of gratitude, and is really a celebration to God. I mean, this is truly a glorious song that Simeon is singing right here. And it is a song that is sung for a very great reason, Right? That after all this time of waiting for the Messiah, he's finally come. He's finally been revealed to Simeon. And the natural outflow of seeing Jesus is joyful worship to God. And then that leads us now to Simeon's song in verses 29 through 32. So let's look at this song here. The first part of Simeon's song is a recognition of God's faithfulness. In verse 29, look at what it says, Lord, now let your you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Simeon sees that God has fulfilled what he has promised to him. I mean, at some point in time in Simeon's life, and we don't know where it is, but Simeon was promised that he was not going to die until he saw the Lord's Christ. God's been faithful to keep his word and to keep his promise in revealing Christ to him in this moment. So Simeon sees that now his work is complete. When he says now, he's saying at last in this definitive moment that has arrived, he's seen the Christ and now he can depart the world in peace. Now this may very well mean that Simeon was very old by the time Christ had finally been revealed to him, which is why he would say, now your servant can depart in peace. And if it's true that Simeon was an old man at this point, and we don't know this definitively, it could mean that Simeon has been waiting a very long time for God to fulfill this promise to him. But here's one thing that we know for sure about God's promises. They may be slow and they may take a while to come, but they do come. They always come without fail because God always fulfills His word and His promises every time. Over and over and over again, what we see in Scripture is that God makes promises and then God fulfills what He promises I mean, God is, our God is a God who has no problem making promises. As a matter of fact, I think we have a God that likes to make promises. I think he enjoys making promises because he wants his people to see, look at how faithful I am. I am a promise-keeping God, and I want you to have great confidence in me because I make and keep promises over and over. I am truly trustworthy, and God's promises are always worth waiting for, even if they take your entire life to see them come true. Then in verse 30, look at what it says here. Simeon says, "'For my eyes have seen your salvation.'" This is what Simeon sees in Jesus. He sees God's salvation. Simeon sees that Jesus is the consolation of Israel that he's been waiting for, that we read back in verse 25. In Jesus, he sees their hope of deliverance. In Jesus, he sees their source of comfort and encouragement. It's in Jesus that he sees their rescue. That this salvation, though, is not just for him, but is for all peoples, as verse 31 communicates to us. And you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. Simeon is communicating two things here to us. One is that God is the one that is doing all the work. Look what it says in 30 and 31 again. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. Simeon is making it very clear that God is the one who is doing all of the work of salvation and that that work of salvation is for all peoples. This message of salvation is something that is not only communicated at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, but is communicated at the end of the Gospel of Luke as well. In chapter 24, in verses 46 and 47, Jesus says this, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be complained in His name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You see, from beginning to end, God's salvation brought by Jesus has always been a global mission. And Simeon expresses this global mission in two different ways in verse 32. Look what it says in 32. And a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The first phrase there in, 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 in verse 32 is a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Now, light is a major theme that we find in Scripture, and that light is always tied, one, to the Messiah, and secondly, that this light is for the world to see. Uh, Pastor Ryan read that in Psalm 98 this morning where it talked about light. We see in two prophecies in Isaiah about the coming of the Messiah is connected to light as well. In Isaiah 42, verses 6 and 7, we read, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people a light for the nations to open the eyes that are blind and to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon. From the prison, those who sit in darkness. Then in Isaiah 49, in verse 6, we read this. It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. So this theme of light that is connected to the world, that is, for the, that is connected to the Messiah, that is for the world to see, is carried over into the New Testament as well, right? In John chapter 1, he starts out talking about Jesus as light in several different ways. In verse 4, it says, And him was life, and the light was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then in verse 7, when he's speaking about John the Baptist, he says he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. And then in verse 9, John switches back and talking about Jesus, where he says that he is the true light, which gives light to everyone, has come into the world, I mean, Jesus even says this about himself in John 8, 12, where Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Simeon is communicating to us the same thing that Isaiah and John and Jesus have been communicating to us, that Jesus is the light, and this light is connected to salvation, and this salvation is given to the world. That this light that he has come because we are in darkness because of our sin and that we have the spiritual blindness to the things of God. And Jesus has come to be that light, to open our eyes, to reveal to us and to see the good news of salvation that is provided by Christ and to bring us out of that darkness of our sin. And this light that Jesus shines is going to shine for the whole world to see that this light is just not limited to the people of Israel, but this light shines for the Gentiles as well. The light of salvation that comes from Jesus is for all peoples and all nations who are lost in their darkness of sin. And then Simeon finishes his song with this line, and for glory to your people Israel. Now, Simeon is switching in a couple of ways here, right? One is he's switching the blessing that Jesus will bring from the Gentiles to the Jews to the nation of Israel. And he's also switching from talking about light to talking about glory. Now, normally we think of glory, we think of glory in a couple of different ways, right? One, we think about the glory of God, that God is bright and and, and, and is of um, beauty and majestic and splendor. And that's what we think about when we think about the glory of God. But another way that we think about glory is the glory that we give God, right? Like when we sing to Him, we give glory to Him. We praise Him. We honor Him. We exalt Him. We lift Him up high. And so we normally think about glory in those couple of ways. But there's a different way here that Simeon is talking about glory. Because what Simeon is saying is that Jesus is going to bring glory to his people, much like he is bringing light to the Gentiles. So in this sense of glory, with Jesus coming To the people of Israel, there is a revealing of glory that's going to be in such a way that brings salvation and satisfaction to the people of Israel. Now, just think about with me about the history of the people in the nation of Israel. They know things about God's glory very well, right? But that glory is always a, a separation, I mean, think of Moses when he goes up to Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments, right? What happens? There's this cloud. The glory of the Lord comes down on the mountain, and the people say, we can't come near. And God says, you can't come near. And so there's glory, but there's separation. And what happens? Moses, he sees the backside of God's glory. And what happens? Moses comes down to the mountain. His face is glowing, and the people are like, we can't handle this glory. Put a veil over your face. Moses, we can't handle this glory. And then if you read at the end of Exodus when the tabernacle is, is constructed for the first time, the temporary dwelling place for God, what happens? It says that the glory comes down in this cloud, the glory of God comes down, and the people cannot enter the tabernacle. Again, they're at a distance from this glory. And then when you go up to Solomon, right, Solomon builds the, the permanent building, the temple, for God's presence to be. And what happens at the dedication there, what we see is, again, God's glory, it comes down to the temple. And again, nobody can go in. No one can enter or can come close to the temple because, again, there's separation. They can't come near God's glory, and this has kind of been the trademark of the children of the people of Israel concerning God is His glory. But now, something different has happened. Now this glory is seen, and this glory has come near to the people in the person of Jesus. This is what we read in John 1:14, right? Where it says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the glory of Jesus, which is full of grace and truth that leads to salvation and great satisfaction in the people, has now come close to them. Jesus is in their midst. The separation has been removed. Jesus has come close to give glory so that the people can now receive and be close and see this glory. And this is what Simeon's song is all about. So what can we take away from Simeon, and what can we take away from his song this morning? Well, one thing I think we can take away is that we can see here is that Simeon was Holy Spirit dependent. The Spirit is mentioned three times very early on in this passage. The Spirit is with Simeon, the Spirit is leading Simeon, and the Spirit is revealing to Simeon. The Holy Spirit is doing a lot in the life of Simeon. I mean, the reality is this, Simeon would have never seen or would have never known Jesus without the Spirit doing this work in his life. So I think a good evaluation question for us this morning is how dependent are you on the Holy Spirit? Do you look often for the Spirit to be leading you, guiding you, directing you? I mean, to be Holy Spirit dependent is to be continually asking for the Spirit to be working in you. I mean, this is something that always, I think, always convicts me because I find that I am very gym dependent. Like, I am the one that needs to take care of the situations and the problems and the things that are going on in my life. And whenever I read stuff like this, it always convicts me because I realize I'm always the one trying to fix everything. And what this passage at least did for me is to realize, man, I need to be frequently asking the Spirit to be doing more and more in my life. That as I'm going throughout the day, and it was very helpful to spend the last couple of weeks going over this passage, because I did find myself, as I thought about this passage, to say, man, okay, Spirit, I need you working in me. No, Spirit, I need you working in me to help me with my sin and my selfishness and my struggles that I have when I'm discouraged. Holy Spirit, I need you helping me. You know, I need the Spirit helping in me to be a better husband and a better dad, Right? Like, Holy Spirit, I need you helping me in these areas. I need the Holy Spirit helping me to be a better pastor. I need the Holy Spirit working in my family. I need the Holy Spirit to be working in my church. I need the Holy Spirit to be working in my community. And so that was a really good thing to recognize that it is good to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. And we are always dependent on the Holy Spirit. It's not like we're going to reach this time in our lives where we say, well, I'm not Holy Spirit dependent anymore. I've got it all figured out. To be dependent on the Holy Spirit is to recognize your need and to be continually asking the Spirit to be working in you and in those around you. So where, where do you need the spirit to be working in you can i encourage you be dependent on the spirit and be asking him often as a matter of fact one of the things that i'm even i'm finding that i ask myself often is to say okay holy spirit will you help me to remember to be holy spirit dependent because that's why i tend to forget the most i tend to forget that i need to be holy spirit dependent and then i go into all the areas where i need to be dependent on him the second thing I think we see here this morning is that the Lord is always worth waiting for because the Lord is always faithful to keep his word. Simeon is told by God that he will not die until he sees Jesus. Now, we don't know how long, we, how long he waited, but we do know that he did see Jesus and that God kept his word. It is really good for us to remember that God is, our God is someone who keeps his word. That what God promises, He keeps and He fulfills. And the Bible is full of promises that God has made to us. So I would encourage you this. As you read your Bible, like a really good exercise to do is say, okay, when I sit down and read my Bible today, I'm going to look for promises. I'm going to look for promises that God is making. And I'll tell you, if you start looking in that way, and if you start reading Scripture saying, I'm going to look for promises today, you will find that the Bible is full of promises. And the reason that the Bible is full of promises is God wants us to have great confidence in Him. So I would encourage you to look for it, that these promises are meant for you. They are meant for your encouragement. To say, oh man, look at how good God is. Look at how faithful He is. Look at all these promises that He makes for us. Our God enjoys making promises and fulfilling His Word. Three, Let's be all about Jesus. Simeon was all about waiting for the consolation of Israel. Day after day after day, he went to the temple and he went looking for Jesus. He spent his life waiting for the consolation of Israel, waiting for Jesus. His focus was singular. His gaze was set. And his gaze was fixed on Jesus as his focal point. Because it's in Jesus that Simeon sees where his best comfort come from, comes from. He sees in Jesus his ultimate hope, his true rescue, and his complete deliverance, that it comes from Jesus And I think it's really important for us to remember what is going on in the life of Simeon at this time, right? Just think about what is going on in the culture around him. He is living in troubled times. You think we are living in troubled times today? Let me tell you something. I don't think it compares to the troubled times that Simeon is living in. I mean, there is Roman rule in Israel. Israel is not a free state. Israel is a captive state by a cruel government of Rome. This is what he is living in. And what I think is interesting is he doesn't seem to get caught up in what is going on around him. Instead, he is getting caught up with looking to Jesus and the salvation that Jesus will bring. And I think we can learn a lot from Simeon in this way in the day and age that we live in. I think a good question for us is to be thinking, where, where is our focus? I think it's so easy for our, our focus to get off. And yet, this is a good reminder to say, let's be a people who focuses in on Jesus. He's coming again, right? We're not waiting for His first coming. We're waiting for His second coming. He has promised to come again and to right every wrong and to establish His forever kingdom. Let's that be our focal point. Let's be looking day after day, wondering when Jesus is going to return and come again. And finally, we should be joyfully all about Jesus. Simeon is filled with great joy at the coming of Jesus. And all in the form of an eight-day-old baby, too, at that moment. And that great joy in seeing Jesus leads to this great worship of God for Jesus. Seeing the great salvation of light and glory that comes from Jesus should also give us great joy that is expressed in thankful worship to God. We see this taking place in Acts chapter 13. Turn with me to Acts chapter 13 for a moment here. I mean, he set the stage in Acts chapter 13. Paul is in Antioch, and he is preaching the gospel to Jews and to Gentiles in Antioch. And I want to pick up in verse 44 in chapter 13, where it says this, "...and the next Sabbath almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord." But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judge yourself unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles." For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. I want you to see what is going on here in this scene here, that Paul is preaching the good news of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, Christ and in that he quotes Isaiah 46 which I read to us earlier here and the gentiles see at this moment oh this salvation is for us too like we get to be a part of this now and what do they do when they hear now that this this salvation message of Jesus is not just for the Jewish nation but is for the gentiles as well they are rejoicing and glorifying God because they realize we get this salvation too that is a message that had not been proclaimed before. And is now starting to be proclaimed for the first time that Jesus and God have brought salvation to all people, not just Jewish people. Now, I know that we have all grown up in this room knowing that Jesus is for Gentiles like us. We have grown up knowing that Jesus has come to not just save Jewish people, but to all people, right? All tribes and tongues and peoples and languages. But it was completely different for these Gentiles in Antioch, right? I mean, can you imagine if you were in that crowd and that you heard for the very first time that salvation has come to them as well? Can you just imagine what that moment must have felt like for these people in this crowd, And yet, just like what Ryan said last week when he was preaching, and he said that we should not, we hope that we don't lose the joy and the wonder and the awe of the salvation that Jesus gives and the Christmas story. I hope that we also don't lose the joy and the wonder and the awe that Jesus saves lost, darkness-loving Gentiles like us. Salvation that comes from Jesus is not just good news I'm sorry let me say that again the salvation that comes from Jesus is just as good a news for us today as it was that day in Antioch so today on this day after christmas where there's that kind of that holiday letdown right let's be a people who continue to celebrate the birth of Christ and that Christ has come that he is a light to the gentiles That He is a glory for Israel. And I think it's good to be thinking as we're getting ready to head into 2022, that we would be a people who have a singular focus on Jesus. And that we would be a people who are relying and depending on the Holy Spirit. That we would be a people who trust in God, who keeps His promises. That we would be a people who patiently wait on the Lord. That we would be a people who find greater joy in Jesus, and that we would be a people all about joyfully worshiping Jesus. Now here's the thing, we may never write a song of praise to Jesus that the world will sing, but we can make it our goal in 2022 and beyond to be all about Jesus the way Simeon was. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for Jesus. And I pray that you would help us see Jesus the way Simeon did and the way the Gentiles believers in Antioch did, and that we would celebrate Christ greatly with joy, knowing that you have brought light into our dark hearts. And that you, your glory has been brought near. And that we get to see this glory in the face, in the person, in the work of Jesus Christ. And that we would just fix our gaze on you. That we would just focus in on you. And I pray that that would be our goal heading into a new year. And we realize we have to be Holy Spirit dependent because we realize all of these goals that I've mentioned here this morning only come from you. It can only come from the power of the Holy Spirit. So we pray, Spirit, be working these things in us and help us to daily, day by day, throughout the day, recognize that we can't do these things on our own, that we need the Spirit working these things in us. So would you please be helping us in those things? We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he has come. We thank you for the good news of the gospel. We pray this in your name. Amen. Would you stand with me as I read our benediction here? I'm going to read from Jude, verses 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, and now and forever. Amen. You're dismissed.